Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt, a podcast about electric vehicles, renewable energy, autonomous driving, and much, much more. My name is Bodhi. I am your host, and we have, I think, a fun show today. Uh, We're going to talk about EVs and cold weather. Allison Sheridan sent me a text, and she said, hey, could you do me a favor and talk about how cold weather affects EVs? And I said, absolutely, can't say no to Allison for a lot of different reasons, but the biggest one is because she's such a nice person, and I'm not going to say no to her. So let's go ahead and jump into this, because we have a lot to cover. As I mentioned, we're going to talk about cold weather and EVs. So what's the issue? Well, last week, EV owners in Chicago and other cities in the Midwest that were experiencing extreme cold, they were left stranded and frustrated. There were a lot of news stories that I don't think framed this whole incident in a very fair light, but I'm going to play for you one of the news stories that I thought was probably the most fair. So let's go ahead and listen. In Evergreen Park, it is a line filled with frustration. I've been waiting about, what, three hours? EV drivers, almost out of charge, waiting to plug their cars in. You have to come up here. Wait two hours to get on the charger. They tell you the chargers are fast. It takes two hours to charge your car. That is, if you get there. Some EVs ran out of juice and had to be towed away. It started over the weekend and continues today. EV drivers learning the hard way that their cars don't go as far as they usually do when the temperatures are below zero. I think EV owners are discovering for the first time that it's what gas car owners knew decades ago, that when it gets really cold, you don't want to get too low on your power supply. In Norway, where half of new cars are electric vehicles, the Norwegian Automobile Federation found that EVs lose about 20% of their driving range in the cold. The AAA found that percentage could more than double if the heater was on full blast. When it comes to holding their charge, not all EVs are created equal. Research firm Recurrent found that the Chevy Bolt lost about a third of its range in freezing temperatures. The BMW i3 fared slightly better. The Tesla Model S only lost 4% of its range. The Hyundai Kona also did well in the cold and added range when it was warm outside. Carfax editor Patrick Olson says if you have an EV, 
it's crucial to have a home charger. If you're traveling, plan ahead, um, make sure you know where your level two and in some cases, level three charges are so that you can get there. Gary Green says when it comes time to change cars, the next one won't be electric. I rent this through Uber and um, I'm really going to take this back and see if they got gas cars. All right. So that little clip that we just heard is a little bit of a foreshadowing of what I'm going to talk about today. So let's start with why do EVs have a hard time charging in the cold? We've actually talked about this in the past quite a bit, that EV, the range decreases in your EV in cold weather. Uh, by the way, it also decreases in extremely hot weather too, because I had that same issue happen this summer. And part of the reason for these range decreases is that the car is trying to keep the battery warm in cold or extreme cold conditions or cool when it's hot outside. So your battery is at its optimal performance to give you the most amount of range. So that that's the overall goal. Unfortunately, the battery uses its own power <laughs> to keep itself warm or cold. So you lose a little bit of range. And we'll talk about how much exactly a little bit later. Another problem is when your battery is cold, chemically, everything in the battery slows down and it has to work a lot harder than it normally would if it was warm outside. So that's also going to take some of your battery range away. And then on top of all of that, you add in running the heater on high, the steering wheel warmer, the heated seats, and we're going to see an even bigger decrease in range. The video said that you will see right around 20 to 25% reduction of range in extreme temperatures. Um, I saw some numbers that were closer to 40% reduction, but let's use 25. I think that's a safe number. In the video, they mentioned uh, Recurrent. Well, Recurrent actually has a really good chart. Let me pull it up here. All right, here we go. We're going to look at percentages. I'm not going to give you a bunch of numbers because I know that could be confusing on an audio podcast. So we're going to look at the percentage of range lost in freezing temperatures versus ideal temperatures. So the Hyundai Kona lost right around 34% range in freezing temperatures versus ideal. The F-150 Lightning, we're looking at the 2022 and the 2023 extended range F-150 Lightning, that lost 26%. The Audi e-tron actually lost the least amount of range. It lost 16% according to this recurrent chart. The Mustang Mach-E is at 34%. The Model Y all-wheel drive, 24%, as well as the Model 3 long range. The Chevy Bolt lost 42% of range uh, when, it, you know, when you compare ideal temperatures and freezing. Now, I think this is interesting because the gentleman who said that he was going to take his car back to Uber and see if he couldn't get a, a, an ice car, he was driving a Chevy Bolt. So I, I can definitely see why that would cause him some frustration. Uh, you have the Model X 100D, 24%. The Volkswagen ID4 lost 46%. The Nissan Leaf is at 23%. The Model S 90D is at 28%. And uh, let's see, I think 
Okay, so we have two Nissan Leafs on here, but one says Prius. So I'm going to say they meant to say the Toyota Prius is at 23%, and the Nissan Leaf is at 34%. So most of these cars are right around 25%. Some better, a couple worse, but as a general rule, we're looking about 25%. So now we know about the batteries. Let's move on to the charging stations. In all of the videos that I saw, I saw several electric vehicles, including Tesla's, being loaded up on the back of a uh, tow truck and driven away uh, because it was they were at a point where it was not safe to continue operating the vehicle and waiting for a charger. Like some people were in line for five hours, and when they started their in-line time, they had about 50 miles of range. And I can imagine at some point in time that they are going to be turning the heater on their car in that five hours because it's cold outside. It's minus 10 degrees outside. So I'd imagine by the end of that five hours, they were probably pretty close to zero. And that's in a lot of cases, that's why they needed to be towed. But according to some of the reports that I saw, and we're going to focus on Tesla superchargers here because that was a lot of the focus in these these news reports. Some of the Tesla superchargers were not working when people were able to finally able to get in and charge their vehicle, and that's certainly a problem. But according to other reports, the chargers were working, but the cars were charging really slow. Now, we talked about how cold weather affects the batteries. It slows it down. If the batteries are so low that they're not uh, preconditioning themselves or you haven't turned on preconditioning, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit, then of course the batteries are going to be cold. You're going to try and charge it and it's going to be like trying to charge a rock. It's just going to go very slow or in some cases it won't go at all. Now in terms of these reports, I, I want to say this before I get too far into this. I think this story is a good example of an edge case, and it would go a long way for EV makers and charging companies to come out and say, you know what, this was a learning experience and we're going to do better on our end. Here are the changes that we're going to make. This is going to take some time. In the meantime, here are some tips to help you out this winter to get the most out of your EV after all, it's new technology and we're trying our best as they, you know, sheepishly rub their fingers together. Not in a menacing way, but in a very childlike, oh, shucks, paw, that kind of a way. Anyway, showing my age. Anyway, to the best of my knowledge, Tesla has said nothing about this. I have I was not able to find any statement. If you know of a statement, please let me know. But I was not able to find any Tesla statement about whether these chargers were down or they were operating properly or some of them were down or what could have possibly caused, you know, some of these issues to occur. It's, they're very silent. Now, if I'm wrong on this, please let me know. They may have released some, hey, here are some things you can do in the wintertime. Uh, that might have come out, but I didn't hear anybody from Tesla, and it would be Elon, specifically address this issue. So let's talk about possible causes for this incident. Well, first of all, it's really cold. It was minus 10 in Chicago with a negative, uh, minus 10 degrees Fahrenheit with a minus 30 degrees uh, wind chill factor. 
for our friends who don't believe in freedom units, that would be uh, 23, minus 23 degrees Celsius and minus 34 degrees Celsius with the wind chill. So that's chilly. It's cold. Uh, let's, let's go back to my notes here. Uh, so what are some of the possible causes? The extreme cold, obviously, that's going to be a huge one. The next one is we heard on the video that there are a lot of rideshare drivers, whether you're driving for you know Walmart or Instacart or Uber or Lyft or whoever, there are a lot of folks who are renting the EVs from one of you know these companies' partners, and they're unlikely to have level two charging at home. So these folks probably charge using DC fast charging on a regular basis. They probably don't use level two charging at all. And if they do, it's because somebody where they're picking up food or picking up people happens to have a level two charger and they're waiting there anyway. So they might as well just plug in and charge their vehicle. But honestly, I have no idea if this is really a thing. Uh, I don't know if, how many people are out there doing that on that specific day, on that specific, specific time. It could be a lot. It could be a little. We don't really know. The other thing is in the past, we've talked about EV charging cables, like the cables that go from the uh, electric vehicle supply equipment into your car. Those cables, they don't like hot weather. I can tell you from experience when I've tried to charge my car here in Phoenix when it's 120 degrees outside, sometimes you'll grab those uh, Tesla charging cables and they will be hot uh, at the DC fast charger. They, they, will, they will burn your hand. And if they are hot and they burn your hand, in my experience, they will not charge your car and you will have to go find another charging stall to charge your vehicle. The same thing with the the cold weather. Like they don't, they, they're... I don't want to say they're a weak link, but their EV chargers are down a lot of the time because of that charging cable. They're expensive and they're kind of uh, uh, brittle. Like uh, Electrify America has a huge problem with this. We've talked about this in the past, so I won't go over it again. But the cables could have been an issue because it was really cold outside. And maybe, you know, those cables for the Tesla superchargers or insert name of EV charging company, because it wasn't just Tesla that had these problems. Maybe they just weren't designed for temperatures that were below 10 degrees Fahrenheit, minus 30 degrees with a wind chill factor. That's a, that's a possibility. One of the other things is the electric vehicle supply equipment or the DC fast charger, the level three charger that they may have had some kind of issue that may have been due to the cold or may have been due to something else entirely. We just don't know. I saw someone post that Tesla may have just shut the superchargers down. And I don't think this is true. This person was just somebody on TikTok and they were just talking. So you know how that is when somebody's on TikTok, they they talk a lot. Elon and Tesla have been pretty good in the past about being good citizens when it comes to natural disasters. In the wildfires in California, they did things like offer free supercharging for people in that region. Some Model S's were software locked in range, so they actually had a bigger battery, but people didn't want to pay for that big battery, so Tesla actually locked their battery to a smaller range. During these natural disasters, Tesla unlocked the full range of that car temporarily. They locked it again, but that allowed people to get to a safe location and it earned Tesla some goodwill. So 
you know, people liked seeing that. People who owned Teslas were actually proud that the company that they believed in was doing that. All right, another possible problem is user error. I don't like blaming the customer for things because in a lot of cases, it's the easiest thing to do. But I've been doing a podcast about electric vehicles since 2016. (laughs) When I got my Model Y, I learned a lot about EVs that I was like, oh, I didn't know that. There was quite a learning curve for me. And a lot of you folks, when I would talk about it here on the show, a lot of you folks would email me. Like, I'll give you an example here. Gene sent me an email when I was saying that my range was dropping. And he's like, turn off sentry mode and see what happens. And I did. And my range stopped dropping so much. It was amazing. And Gene's just one example. But if a nerd who has been talking about this stuff into a mic for the last seven years can feel like a total noob when they finally get their own EV, it's not too far of a stretch that some of these people weren't aware how much extreme cold weather would affect their electric vehicle. And unfortunately, and it's probably through no fault of their own, made bad choices at a really... Um, really uh, a pivotal moment in this awful cold weather that they were having. And I don't think if I was them and I didn't do this show and I lived in Chicago, which would be great because I am a Chicago Bears fan. Ah, the Bears. R.I.P. Anyway, I'm a Chicago Bears fan for life, no matter how bad they are. And if I lived in Chicago and I didn't do this podcast and I had an EV, I'd probably make the same mistake. And it's not because I'm a Bears fan, although that is damning in terms of my intelligence. It's because it's not even something I would think about or consider, right? I would think, oh, cold weather, probably not great. Uh, But, you know, no big deal. I'll just continue on. It's not the case. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All right, let's talk about battery chemistry. I've heard some people say that LFP batteries don't hold up in the cold and then nickel cobalt aluminum batteries are more robust in the cold. And that's kind of true, but there's a pretty wide range of temperatures that the LFP batteries can operate in. And if you don't know, a lot of the more affordable Teslas come with lithium iron phosphate batteries. They're cheaper and they are more robust in terms of charging. Like an LFP battery can be charged to 100% and you see far less battery degradation than you would on a nickel cobalt aluminum battery, for instance. And the LFP batteries are cheaper. Um, Unfortunately, they just don't have the same energy density that the nickel cobalt aluminum or NCA batteries have. So LFP batteries can operate in negative four degrees Fahrenheit all the way up to 140 degrees Fahrenheit, which is hot. I mean, Phoenix is hot. We're not 140 degrees hot. I'm not even sure what would happen if we even came close to that. And for my metric system, folks were like, I don't know how hot or cold that is. That would be minus 20 degrees Celsius all the way up to 60 degrees Celsius. And we already know that temperatures in Chicago were colder than what the LFP batteries could typically handle. I, I do have a little bit more to that, which I'll talk about here in just a moment as to why that's not as big of a deal as uh, you would think. But let's go back to recurrent. According to a recurrent article, studies have found that based on their composition, LFP batteries have significant issues at lower temperatures, including poor conductivity, slower lithium diffusion, lithium ion diffusion. In practice, this means a poor charge rate when it's colder than minus 20 degrees Celsius or minus 4 degrees Fahrenheit. NCM batteries or nickel cobalt manganese. And I said NCA before, I meant NCM. So just erase that from your mind. Nickel cobalt manganese batteries perform slightly better with increased capacity retention and polarization. However, this is the big however, this is the wait for it. It is possible that that improved and more aggressive thermal management may be able to offset cold weather effects. So that leads us into our next topic, is which is what do you do if you live in a cold climate? Well, you can precondition your battery. And we've talked about this a little bit uh, in terms of, you know, it, when it's cold outside, your battery's going to operate slower. It's not going to be as efficient. In fact, one of the articles that I read when I was preparing for this story is one person said that it took two hours to charge their vehicle when it should have only taken 45 minutes. So what's one way to fix this? precondition your battery before charging. I'm not going to pretend to know how to precondition every electric vehicle that's out there on the road because I don't. I know how to precondition my car and that is to go to the navigation system, tell it I want to go to a supercharger and it says, great, we're going to the supercharger. I'm preconditioning the battery on the way there. So it'll be in a state that allows optimal charge by the time you show up. That's how you do it in a Tesla. I'm not 100% sure how you do it in other EVs, 
but it's probably something similar or there's probably something that you select to get your car to start preconditioning that battery to accept that charge, especially when you're dealing with a DC fast charger. That's a lot of electricity going into your battery. You want that battery to be warmed up and ready to take that charge. The next thing you can do is have a level two charger, if possible. I know that not everybody can have a level two charger for a variety of reasons. One is if you're renting this car because you're driving for a ride sharing company, it doesn't make sense to spend you know, $700 to $1,500 to put a charger in your house, unless you're planning on one day getting an EV. If, if you're not planning on that, it doesn't make sense to, to do that. Another thing is we have a lot of people who, you know, live in apartments, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But if you have the ability to have a EV charger in your home, a level two EV charger in your home, this is significantly going to increase your problems. Now, if you don't, I would imagine that a level one charger that you plug into a regular 110, 120 volt outlet is going to be better than just sitting there and letting your car uh, sit in the cold. At least something's happening if you if you plug it in. And finally, the biggest thing is be proactive. Uh, when you When these events are coming and you live in this kind of a climate, be proactive. Keep your car at a minimum level so that this doesn't happen to you or there's less of a, of a chance of it happening to you. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Norway because obviously it's cold in Norway, but it's also a cold country that has the highest EV adoption rate. So what are they doing that we're not doing here in the United States? Part of it is education. People in Norway, as a general rule, are better educated when it comes to the pros and cons of owning an EV in general, but they're also going to be very clued in on owning an EV in cooler climates or colder climates. Like the United States is huge, right? You could buy your EV in Florida, live in Florida for three years, and then go to Minnesota and live, which is a very cold climate if you're not familiar or can be. Or let's say North Dakota in the wintertime, the wind chill in North Dakota is just awful. Um, yeah, you're not really thinking about cold, extreme cold charging when you live in Florida. However, it becomes a real reality when you move to Minnesota. Like in Norway, I'm not going to say the whole country is cold, the same temperature all the time, but it's a smaller country and you know it's going to get cold there. It might be more mild in some places, but it's not like here in the United States. Like, I'll give you an example. Uh, it was cold here today, and our high was 63 degrees, and I was cold. I had a sweater on for most of the day. Now, it's 63 and raining, but still, it's chilly, and it's going to be even colder tomorrow, which will probably mean that I'll have to wear my beanie to keep warm. And when I say colder, I think it's going to be below 50 degrees and raining. I know people. there are people shaking their fists at me. I get it. But when you live in a country where the temperatures aren't that drastic, you're going to be better educated on when it comes to EVs. And there's a lot of EVs in Norway. So, you know, people are going to talk to each other. Another reason why this doesn't happen in Norway or we don't really hear about it happening in Norway is they've got better infrastructure in terms of EV charging than we do. And again, a lot of this has to do with the fact that they're a much smaller country than we are here in the United States. But also, you know, Norway did the work. They put the infrastructure in. Uh, 
you know, the per capita, their infrastructure is working better than ours. And because of this, you know, uh, there are shorter lines at the charging stations. And then people in Norway typically have a shorter commute distance than we do here in the United States. Like it's not uncommon to have a commute of an hour. I think my commute is 45 minutes to go to work. I don't do that every day, but if I had to, it'd be 45 minutes there, 45 minutes back. In Norway, the commute's closer to 30 minutes, not too bad. And then in Norway, 90% of EV owners have a charging station in their home. So 90% of EV owners in Norway own a home. This is not something we're really gonna change here in the United States. Uh, We have a lot of people who live in apartments. We have a lot of people who rent homes. Um, And honestly, that's just going to be more difficult for you to charge your vehicle if you live in an apartment or you live in a, uh, a rented home. Like try to convince your landlord to spend $1,000 to $1,500 on an EV charger. Like just to give you an idea of how like ludicrous it would be for a, 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 a landlord to put in a $1,500 EV charger for a, for a renter I go to houses is my role as a firefighter all the time, and you'll hear a smoke detector go off and you say, hey, do you own or rent this house? And they'll say more often than not, oh, we're renting. And it'll be like, okay, well, just so you know, it is the landlord's responsibility to make sure that there are batteries in the smoke detectors and that they're in working condition. So call your landlord, let them know that we came out. We told them that they needed to change the batteries or change the smoke detectors if they're older than 10 years old. But more often than not, or at least in my experience, more often than not, it's such a hassle that the tenant usually just takes matters into their own hands and they either buy new smoke detectors or they replace the batteries because they, they're tired of dealing with the noise. It, it, I, I just don't see a lot of landlords spending $1,500 on this when they wouldn't spend a few hundred dollars to keep their tenants safe with smoke detectors, which they're legally obligated to do. Anyway, I said all of that so I could say this. Companies like Orange Charger are working on delivering alternative methods so that people can plug their cars in and charge their EVs at apartments, but it doesn't cost the apartment complex a whole bunch of money, and it doesn't cost the EV owner a whole bunch of money. Uh, Basically, they're just installing 220 and 110-volt outlets, and you scan a barcode, and you just pay for the energy that you use. The apartment complex gets a little bit of that. Orange gets a little bit of that. There are a lot of companies out there trying to solve this problem for apartment owners. Another option is if there's a 220 or 240 outlet that supplies a dryer, you can plug you can plug some EV charging equipment into that and charge your EV if you rent a home. If not, you can still plug your charger into the regular outlet and, you know, at least you're getting something. It's not it's not great, but it's better than nothing. Now let's move on to our final bit here because I know I'm going to get so many emails when it comes to ice cars and cold weather. So I'm just going to address this right now. Yes, ice cars have a hard time in extreme cold weather too. Batteries die. When I was a kid, we were lucky enough in our community to have a garage. Not a lot of people had a garage. And if they did, they their garage was full of stuff. My family, we had a two-car garage that you could literally fit one car in 
And typically in the dead of winter, and we're talking about January, February, that car was dead. The The battery for that car was dead. It was my mom's car. And you would have to go out and put the battery charger on it. Or my dad would do like a slow trickle charge to keep the battery going. So when mom went to work the next day, it'd be easier for her to go to work. Diesel motors, they're not a fan of the cold temperatures. Diesel fuel's not a fan of the cold temperatures, causes problems with it. Uh, That's why people have things like block heaters in cold weather. Block heaters will keep the oil and the coolant warm so that when you go out to start your car, uh, it starts. You know, these these are little things that you have to do when you own a, a car in a cold climate. Like I was shocked when I moved away from Alaska to Idaho, which is not super warm, that people there didn't really use block heaters. It was, it was absolutely, I was gobsmacked that they didn't use block heaters. That's how prevalent they were in the community that I grew up in, in Alaska. And then I'm just going to tell one more story about this. My friend Justin worked on the North Slope, which is on the northern part of Alaska, uh, up near Point Barrow, and and Nears relative, by the way. But uh, he worked up there, and in the really bad parts of winter, you can't turn your truck off because that is bad. The oftentimes the trucks will not start, and the motors will be kaput. It, that's it. So I can't remember if Justin did this. This is like when we were in our 20s or if another employee did it. I I, want to say it was another employee because Justin grew up in Alaska. But uh, that person turned off their truck and that was bad. They turned off their truck and they were a long way away from any buildings. And that was bad. (laughs) And he was not able to get it started again. So they had to tow it to a shop. They left it in the shop. And thankfully, once, uh, once it warmed up, it started up and there was, there didn't seem to be any problems whatsoever, but yeah, ice cars have problems in extreme cold. All right. Thank you for coming to my Ted talk. I'm Bodie. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you want to email me, it's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. You can also find me on Twitter at 918digital. And yeah, I hope you hope you all enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you on Friday. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. So, Robert, tell the people, what's a pretendian? It's just what it sounds like, Angel. A pretend Indian. Someone who fakes being one of us? Someone who impersonates a native. 
We're talking about real scammers and con artists. There are pretendians teaching at universities, pretendians running governments, pretendians in Hollywood. On our new podcast, Pretendians, we'll tell you the incredible story of these jaw-dropping frauds. Who are they? Why do they do it? And how the heck do they keep getting away with it? Listen to Pretendians on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 